Joel chapter 2, starting in verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, Westside. We are glad that you're here today. Um, We just ended our series entitled, May We Honor, through the month of May, where we learned about what it is to honor and what that word means and how we honor and do all of those things. And one particular uh, week, we studied how the Lord says you can honor him. God says, this is a particular way of how you can honor me. And we talked about honor God with your wealth. And what was really incredible, after that service, um, a couple came up to a board member and said, hey, we have a passion um, for couples or for anyone to be good stewards of their finances. The Bible actually talks um, a lot about money because it's not our money, it's God's money. And they said, hey, we have gone through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. We're certified in that, but we would love to offer that class for anyone who would love to get their finances in order and know what it is in the scriptures and what the scriptures say as to how to do that and live in community together. So starting July 10th um, from 6 to 8 p.m. we are offering Financial Peace University for anybody who would love to be a part of that. Listen, if you are a young person, freshly married, anything like that, this is a massively important and incredible opportunity and a really cool thing that we're providing for you during the summer. So there's a sign-up sheet out there in the lobby. Please Please be a part of this and sign up to do that. There's going to be some limited number of spots, so please sign up and be a part of that. We're really excited about that. Also, we took up that Sunday what we were calling our May We Honor offering, and we said that this is a tangible way that you can hear a sermon from God's word and then apply it to your life. Because we're always like, God, what's your will? God, we want to know how to apply your word. Man, sometimes I don't understand the Bible. And then we give like a very clear message about money from the Bible. And we're like, hey, here's how you can apply it. And everybody's like, well, I'll, I'll I'll pray about that, right, okay? And so we said and laid this challenge uh, before you and said this goes just to our general operating budget, sort of an end-of-the-year push. Um, And Westside, last Sunday, um, you guys gave $10,012 out there. So can we just thank God for what he's done and what you did through that? Listen, um, I don't take those things very lightly. Um, I know who you are. I know how hard you work. I know that you have a family. And so when I hear these numbers and I see things like that, I just thank God for your faithfulness, Wes. I'm so grateful to get to be your pastor and to walk this journey called life with you. You can still give to that. You can give online. There's boxes um, out there. God's doing incredible things. And then I wanted to take some time 
Um, you know, oftentimes we hear about how society's going this way and we hear about tragedies and this, that, and the other. And can I just tell you that this past Friday, there were over 60 women in this room singing to Jesus and had their Bibles open and were meeting in groups for the West Side Women's Summer Study launch. And, and just by a show of hands, if you are at the launch, can you just raise your hand really quickly if you came out to that study? It's incredible, man. And listen, I just wanted to encourage you. Thank you for coming out and being a part of that and doing that. We don't do these things just so you can have something else on your calendar. Our goal is to make disciples of Jesus Christ and for people to be living in community. And so that's why we do these. So if you came out and sacrificed your time to be a part of this study, thank you. And for the women who served and who prayed and who planned and who labored to be a part of that, can we just show them some love? Ladies, if you were thankful for those ladies that did that, thank you so much. The, the people that come out are the people that are hungry for the word. They're hungry to live in community. They're hungry to be a disciple of Jesus. And the Lord sees you making those sacrifices. Lastly, this, um, we start a new series today. And uh, through a new book of the Bible, we're going to be studying the minor prophets this summer. And we love God's word here at Westside. And so we love to celebrate when we start a new book of the Bible. So because it's Family Worship Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, when you leave today, there's going to be an ice cream truck outside, okay? Like, that's incredible, right? That's awesome. That's awesome. But hey, listen, it's not just for fun. Um, in the book of Psalms, the psalmist says, your word is sweet to my lips and it's sweeter than honey. There's reasons why we do what we do, and it's always God's word. So when you leave today, your kids can get an ice cream cone or a popsicle. And listen, for you as a parent, you can just very simply say, hey, is that ice cream cone good? Oh, man, it's so good. Is it sweet? Awesome. That's great. Hey, did you know that God's word is like that? That's why we did that. And we also want your kids to have fun at church when you say we're going to church, we want your kids to go, yes, that place is awesome. That's so exciting. Listen, we really strive that God's word drives everything that we do here at Westside. Um, a number of years ago, I felt the Lord stirring something in my heart. And I kept seeing these little phrases that would pop up in the scriptures um, like in Revelation chapter 1, John is writing and he says these words. He says to the John, to the seven churches that are in Asia. So in uh, Asia Minor, in the book of Revelation was a letter that circulated to a family of churches. There are local churches in a town or a city, but that local church is always a part of a family of churches. That's what I see all through the scripture. Even in the book of James, in James chapter 1, Jesus' half-brother says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion greetings. We see this theme all through the scriptures. And on Pentecost Sunday, whenever the Spirit of God poured out on the first Christians, there was one singular moment. There was one big universal church that sparked a family of churches. 
And so um, about a year ago, coming up this August, Westside was on a journey to be a part of like-minded churches, to be a biblical church that's also a part of a network and family of churches. And a year ago, we voted as a church to join what is called the Grace Family of Churches. And it's based out of Atlanta, Georgia. There's information out there at the Welcome Center. You can find out what it is to be a part of that. But Pentecost Sunday is a big deal in the Grace Family of Churches. It's when we review the year and see what God has done through this family of churches and to see how he's moving and to see what we are a part of. Oftentimes we get tunnel vision and we think it's just about us and just about my life and it's just about West Side, it's just about this but there is so much else that is going on in the family of churches and if it's your first Sunday or if you've wanted to know about who we are as a church this is a great Sunday for you so right now we're going to view sort of a recap video about the DNA of the Grace Family Churches and what God has done this year and I'm going to tell you more about how you can get involved so West Side, check this out what is grace? Well, maybe we should start with what grace is not. We live in a world today where it seems like everyone's just trying to look out for a brand. And even church has just become a brand in so many places. Grace is not a brand. You can't buy it or sell it because the price is immeasurable. Grace is not a hierarchy. It's not a top-down kind of thing where only the elite get to play. Instead, it's a place where everyone's invested, a place where we all have something to give. Grace is not passive. It takes work. Sometimes the work is hard, but wherever grace exists, it exists because someone had a dream to take it there. This is the story of grace, and it starts with the next generation. Anderson. I am 16 and I'm going to be a junior at Brookwood High School and I am a lug head at Grace Snellville and I also lead worship in Lug and True North. A lug head is basically where the high schoolers disciple and minister to the middle school students. You know with my peers when I was in middle school the anxiety and depression thing is very very real for them. This verse was one that I discovered when I was going through some anxiety and stuff like that. This has probably escalated since COVID and everything. People felt alone because you know you couldn't go see your friends because you were scared that you were going to get sick. It says do not be anxious about anything but everything by prayer and supplication. You know, I've dealt with that myself like feeling really lonely and I remember specifically um, one of my lug heads just growing up with them in middle school like of course they were you know three four years older than me just really feeling like she cared that you know oh I had a rough day like praying with me texting me being like hey like are you doing okay like stuff like that them being there it just made me feel loved 
they were loving me and showing me God's love, and I just really wanted to do that for someone else. A grace of our DNA is discipleship, and our heart beats to the next generation. And we believe that it is really important to pour into the generation under us. LUG is our middle school ministry. At Grace, we have students who are LUG heads, and they get excited about discipling these middle school students. But that doesn't just stop when they graduate from high school. They continue to carry that into college, and they become house church leaders, and they start discipling those freshmen college students and it continues on. They leave college, they look for churches and they get involved in their church and they start doing the same thing again, pouring into the generation under them. At Grace with our students, we're invested in discipleship and leadership. Grace wants to be the first leadership ask in every person's life. Because what we found is, when students get to hear from God and are discipled, and when students get to act with God and lead, they never get over what they experience when God is using them to help someone else. Grace is a series of leadership stories called out of normal places in order to lead. When Jesus called his disciples, he didn't call his disciples based on their accomplishments. He called them based on their potential. In other words, Jesus called disciples, but he always saw leaders. And at Grace, we see you as a potential leader, that God has somewhere for you to go, that God has something for you to do, that there is the extraordinary locked in the ordinary of your life, and it is just waiting to break out. I'm John Murray. Uh, my career has been in technology. Part of what I love about my career journey has been to build and launch businesses inside corporates or enterprises. All these businesses have been global, so I've had the opportunity to travel to 37 different countries and work across culture in that role, and uh, I'm just drawn to that challenge of launching the new thing, but I'm, I'm here in Atlanta and traveling regularly to Asia. And so one Saturday, I wake up and I go, well, you know, what am I doing? I'm a family man and my family is on the other side of the planet. So I'm 40, early 40s, my career is supposed to be on this trajectory and I feel like it's going on this trajectory. It is super confusing on what is God doing in my life, honestly. And there's a guy I was working with regularly in China named Robert Yu. That was his Western name. And we're in Beijing at a big conference. It's in the evening and we're walking back to the hotel. And I just started telling my faith story to Robert. And he, I'll never forget this. He said, John, I've been working with people from Atlanta for 10 years. Why are you the first one to tell me about Jesus if it's truly meant for Chinese people? And it was the first time I began to think about how does my faith and my work begin to come together. Like any planning you want to do? And so when we came into Grace, we heard about the work they're doing with Muslim people, how we're trying to work across culture. Grace is super involved in Kosovo. We hear about these students coming over, the work we're doing over there, and my amazing wife goes, you know, we probably ought to go to Kosovo. And I'm a guy who loves to travel, so when she says something like that, it takes me about 30 seconds to say, okay, let's go. So in 2018, we go over, and it's a medical mission. I'm not really adding any value. It's not really anything entrepreneurial that's gonna happen there. 
And I just remember feeling that nudge from God just saying, hey, you wanted to do something entrepreneurial, buckle up. And I decided to have a heart attack. So now we have a week that is uh, in Kosovo that's unplanned. And we just began exploring the idea of, could we do something entrepreneurial in Kosovo? Obviously, the ultimate hope is following Jesus, but if you don't have a job and you don't have a way to make a living and you don't have something sustaining you, uh, we had started working on an entrepreneurial venture to encourage and potentially fund some startups. Fast forward to today, this team is still there. They're still there, they're still working, they're still engaging, and they're starting to see some success. And no matter what age you are, it's never too late to get started. And I couldn't really spell missions. I thought I was called initially to be just a businessman. God just takes that little step of faith, that little step of obedience, and uses it to impact lives. When you give the grace, you're part of something bigger than yourself and even bigger than your individual churches. It's a family of churches making impact in every place locally, but globally together, banding together in a way that helps all of us make a big difference than any one of us could make on our own. The mission of the Grace Family of Churches is to cultivate a movement of healthy churches that multiply next generation leaders, plant churches, and catalyze Jesus movements in the Muslim world. One of those pillars is about multiplying healthy churches. In fact, the church you're sitting in right now exists because someone at some other church believed it should be there. The truth is, every one of our churches could be good on their own. But we can only be great when we work together. This is what we call the Grace Family of Churches. My name is Olu Akinwande, born and raised in the D.C. area, worked five years in the corporate world. I mean, currently right now, I am Grace Family Fellow. I've always had this dream of being a black leader of a multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church community. So the fellowship was designed to raise the next generation of church planters. Chris Mormon was the head recruiter. He saw something on my life and saw the fruit that me and my family were producing. We were leading a house church movement. So we were just doing church in a house. And he was like, man, I, I think you need to get out of the DMV area and go into a new context so that God can grow something inside of you. And so he pitched the idea of moving to Atlanta for us to leave our jobs, our house, our friends, our family. Grace had this invitation to be apprenticed under them and actualizing and being equipped to pursue this kingdom dream of playing a church. And so we said yes. Yeah, it was hard. <laughs> I mean, imagine going from a house that you own, three-floor house, to moving in a basement with one bedroom and living in the basement of someone that you don't know. 
a logical person would think, that's crazy, that makes no sense. You're leaving safety, you're leaving money, well, you're leaving the upward trajectory of what Americans would consider success. You're leaving all of these things, and for what? And I think Jesus is worth it. When I think about my daughter and for the kids that we have, I want them to be able to say, man, mom and dad heard God and risked everything. I can do that as well. To come. The 18 month fellowship, it, it was just a lot of hands on ministry and really getting a chance to love the people that we're serving and giving opportunities to communicate and preach. And so I just love how the Lord just speaks so gently and eloquently to my wife. She gets this slingshot. And so this slingshot means multitudes to me because it's in this slingshot we go back. Financially, it's definitely going back in this fellowship. Relationally, I don't know nobody here. It's going back. But the tension in this season is actually for it to be released in the next season. The tension that we experience is actually storing revelation about God and about ourselves. And this is stored for it to be released to others, not just you. So the tension that you're experiencing in your waiting is not against you, it's for you. And so grace is that place where it's not you come in and you do their thing, but they come alongside you to really excavate what's the God dream that's been placed inside of you through your story and how they can empower you to live it out. So what is grace? Grace is every one of us. It's a DNA of a kind of person who even though on the outside they may look ordinary, believes for the extraordinary that God has placed inside of them. You've just heard stories about how people just like you have attempted these extraordinary things. You've heard the work that God is doing in them and how together they fill out the shadow of who Jesus is in our world. We wanted to take a minute to celebrate some of the extraordinary things that have happened across the Grace Family of Churches through people just like you over this last year. To start off, we've seen 157 baptisms across the Grace Family of Churches. In terms of student ministry, 175 students came to Camp Fallout and 167 students came to Pursuing Passion. Camp Kids Life has over 200 kids grades second through fifth this year. We've had 17 amazing residents across seven Grace Churches this past year. We've had three fellows who have now completed the fellowship program across the family of churches. In terms of church planting, we've seen growth at Grace Lanier. They're moving towards being sustainable as a church plant. Local church has planted three micro churches now and they're launching two more this fall. In terms of ministering to the Muslim world, we were able to rally as a family of churches and raise $71,516 for Afghan relief. Our partner with Engaging Worlds 
is involved in so many amazing translation projects that are bringing major translations of the Bible to Muslims for the very first time. So we'd love for you to consider giving towards our $150,000 goal this Pentecost. Your giving to this allows us to continue to raise up next generation leaders, support our current churches and plant new churches, and catalyze Jesus movements in the Muslim world. This above and beyond gift isn't in replace of your local giving. We really need that to continue. This is about new churches, new leaders, the new things to come. Each of our Grace Churches exists because there was a Grace Church before it who chose to be generous today for the future of what God was going to do tomorrow. So this really is, a, is an ask uh, to give in faith that God would continue to bring us leaders, continue to lead us to plant new churches. So you can give through this text to give number, or you can also give through the link on your screen. We'd ask that you prayerfully consider joining us in this ask this year towards the 150,000. We're so excited about what God's done over this past year, but we're even more excited about what he's going to do. Every vision requires sacrifice, and we can't get to the future vision that God has for us without giving sacrificially today. Thanks so much for your consideration. Hey Amen. Can we get excited for that, guys? That's incredible, man. And listen, what's cool about this is 5% of our yearly budget at Westside goes to what you saw in that video. So that student or that missionary or anything like that, we are a part of that. This is what it is to be a part of the Grace family. We have a ton more exciting news about how being a part of the Grace family is developing leaders and stuff for us. You guys can give and be a part of that if you want to. You can go to that website or you can text in that number to give. One of the things that's really cool that we're doing this summer as a Grace Family of Churches is we are all walking through the book of the 12, which is the Minor Prophets. So we as a Grace Family Church are walking through the Minor Prophets along with all the other Grace Family Churches. We're even going to get to have some of the guys in the Grace Family come and bring a word here at Westside. But the Minor Prophets is an incredible series that I'm really, really excited about. And it's those pages in your Bible that are sort of stuck together that you've probably never been to before. But this is the overview of the minor prophets. Um, they're minor not because they're less, but there are 12 prophets in all, and they're the last 12 books um, in the Old Testament. And uh, they're called minor not because their message is less important, but because they're short in length and they're very succinct in their message. Some minor prophets are a chapter or only two chapters long. That's where they get the name minor prophets from. And these minor prophets speak to the political, the socioeconomic, the religious, the everything that's going on in their day. The minor prophet is the one who stands in the gap between God and the culture. And they herald the message, thus saith the Lord. Which is helpful to know what, what is a prophet? What, what does that mean? Well, here's a definition. A prophet was the Old Testament office of both foretelling and foretelling 
the word of God to the people of God. When you think of a prophet, oftentimes people immediately go to somebody who like predicts the future or who does something incredible like that. That is true. Those guys did do that in the Old Testament. But long before they ever foretold the future, they were foretellers of truth. When God wanted to say something to his people, he used a prophet. And the prophet would stand up and and say, thus saith the Lord. Sometimes it would be a prediction of judgment, and sometimes it would be a prophecy of something that was to happen in the future. But what was their message primarily in the Old Testament? What did God want to say through these men and women? You can really sum up the prophet's message in sort of three things. The first one is this, to return to God. Oftentimes, the people of Israel would be drifting, and God would say, hey, um, don't do that. Don't go over there. And they would be like, well, what's over here? And God would be like, you don't want what's over there. Don't go over there. And they'd be like, well, we've never really seen what's over here before, so we should probably go over here. God's like, if you go over there, judgment's going to come on you. And then they would get over there, and they would go, ah, judgment's on us. Oh, God, can you help us, right? Um, sound familiar? Is that, is, that, is that your story? Is that my story, right? Um, hey, this is the will that I have for you. Oh, God, that's great, but, but what's over here? God's like, you don't want to go over there. And you're like, yeah, I know, but, but, but what's over here? And God's like, you don't want to go over there. And you're like, yeah, but, but she's hot. God's like, so's hell. And like, no, all right? And it's like, don't go over there, right? And so the message of the prophets is always to a wandering people. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. But take my heart and seal it for thy courts above. The prophets always say, don't go over there. Return to God. But they always say this, what are we returning to? We're returning to God's covenant. The prophet's message was always to remember the promise that God has made to his people. The prophets would always say, remember what God promised to Moses. Remember what God promised to Abraham. Remember what God promised. Remember, God is faithful to his promises. And this is what I love about it. Oftentimes, the people think that prophets only have a negative message. And yes, that message seems negative if you're a wanderer, if you're someone who's wandered off, but the message is of good news. And the good news is this, is that God, oh man, this is a good spot for an amen, God always accepts a wanderer back. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how far you've wandered, how long you've wandered, this, that, or the other. Jesus would, tear a, uh, would tell a parable, and he would say that God is like a father who had a son that came to him and said, I want all that's due my name. Give me my money. I don't want to live in this house anymore. I don't want to be your son. I want to live my own way. And in a heartbreaking manner, that father gave that son what he asked for. But every day, every day, that father went out on the front porch and looked at the skyline to see if his son would return. And the day that he saw his son coming over that hill, he ran to his son. And that son had a speech prepared. He was ready to earn it back and to do whatever he needed. But do you know what that father did? 
He said, throw a party because my son that I thought was dead, my son that I thought was lost is now home. And so now we feast. And Jesus says, God is like that. So it doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. It doesn't matter how long the divorce took or how many years that addiction took off your life. God always accepts a prodigal back again. Remember God's covenant. And then the last thing is this, to repent of sin. That literally the prophets plagiarized each other's sermons over and over and over again. Because you could summarize a prophet's message in one word, which is repent. Which is repent. And do you know what repentance is? It's turning from sin, but turning to Jesus. You see, a lot of us think that repentance is um, bad, 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 wrong, 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 sin, 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 stop, 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 don't, 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 don't do that, right? And God is like a kid with a magnifying glass burning ants who don't repent, right? Ah, I got him. Ah, I got him, right? It's not just laying your sin down. It is coming and turning and trusting in Jesus, um, just this week, I had an update that was due on my phone, right? And which probably means I'm going to have to buy a new phone or something, right? That's what Apple does. They're like, oh, man, we got this new software. And <laughs> your phone can't handle the software, so you probably have to buy a new one from us. But I had to hook it up to my computer. And there was this moment where this little notification popped up. And it said, do you grant this computer total access to your phone? I was like, is this Russia? Is this like, am I getting hacked right now? Is something going on here, right? You know what repentance is? It's getting on your knees and giving God total access. It's clicking okay. It's saying, God, I don't have, it's, it's all yours. I've been trying to keep this one area from you in my life, and that is not going well for me. And so today, I just, I click Okay. That's what the prophet's message is. And today, I want to, in like 10 minutes, I want to show you the book of Joel. That's all I want to do today. Joel is one of the minor prophets. Um, he's one that, he's the second of the 12. His name, Yol, in Hebrew means Yahweh is God. And there's very little that we know about Joel. Um, he didn't go to seminary. Um, it just says that he's the son of someone. But do you know what I love about that? You see, oftentimes people think, like right now, you think that in order to be used by God, you think of up here. You think like stage stuff and this, that, and the other. We don't know anything about Joel, but we know this, that he said okay to God's call on his life. And he was just a normal person that was used in an extraordinary way. There's a phrase that pops up in Joel, and you heard it read to you. It's used six times. And it is the phrase, the coming day of the Lord. The coming day of the Lord. Joel's message was to warn the people of the coming day and to remind them of how kindly God responds to repentance. Um, there's this thing that we do with our kids that if we know that maybe they've kind of gone out of bounds and done something that mom and dad don't condone, here's what we always say. I get down on their level and I say this. Hey, if you tell the truth right now, there's not, you're, you're not going to be in a ton of trouble, okay? Just I'm, I'm your dad. I'm for you. I'm with you. I want to help you. But, but if you lie, I, I can't help you. 
There's always acceptance. We will never reject you if you're honest with us. That's how God responds to our confessions. That's how God responds to our repentance. That God, it says in the book of Romans, that the goodness and kindness of God leads us to repentance. That we are to remember that God is good so I don't have to live this way anymore. And this coming day was like a double prophecy. We see it fulfilled in the book of Acts. That literally these verses that was read are the text that Peter uses for Pentecost Sunday. He says, the prophecy that Joel promised, it's come true today. But do you know what? Here's a good spot for an amen. Um, Jesus is coming back again. We believe that. And so there's also another coming day of the Lord. And really to summarize it this way, Joel Joel reminds us and urges us to live this day in light of that day. Joel, the message of Joel is live today in light of the day that Jesus Christ returns. Because you know what? The day that Jesus returns, I don't think you're going to go, boy, I wish I would have done another load of laundry. The day that Jesus returns, I don't think you're going to say, man, I should have bid another job. The day that Jesus returns, I don't think you're going to say, really disappointed we didn't build the back deck. But the day that Jesus returns, I think we're going to see all the people that we could have shared the gospel with, all the opportunities, all the things that really matter in the kingdom of God. And Joel's message is to live today in light of that day. When we went to um, the Grace Summit of the Family of Churches, um, our leaders went, and Dave Rhodes, who was in that video, preached out of Joel. And he outlined the book in a really incredible way. And I want you to see this visually. You're going to take me five minutes, and then we'll respond in communion. But he said the book of Joel can be summarized like this graph. And it starts with devastation. There's locusts that have come, a plague, and it's wrecked the entire land. There's also another army that's coming. They are completely and totally in view of devastation. And do you know what's interesting? None of us are exempt from this. If COVID taught us anything, it taught us that no one's exempt from the entire world literally being turned upside down in a dime. And you have two options. The first one is you can think your devastation leads to total destruction. Did you know that you have that option? You have the option that whatever devastation that you are looking at right now, you have a choice to let that define you. You can roll over and lay over and say, it's done, this always happens, I'm Eeyore, I knew it was coming, this is my life, this is who I am. You have a choice. You can let the devastation define you, or you can let the devastation refine you. And it's a choice that you have. The step number one to letting it refine you is repentance. In the book of Joel, Joel in chapter 2 calls a fast. 
He calls the people of Israel together and he assembles them. And he says, just the illustration that I said, click OK and let God have total access to your lives. You keep wandering away from the Lord and you keep trying to hide these areas of your life. Repentance is the key to revival. Repentance, please listen to me. Every great move of God whether it be corporately, whether it be nationally, or whether it be individually, always begins with repentance. It always begins with the people of God laid bare before God, saying, you are God and we are not. You see, we view it as repentance, but God views it as purification. Do you know what it's like sometimes for us? Um, You know, maybe you have a dentist appointment. And you go to the dentist and you sit down in the chair and you have that just that one tooth. And one time I remember literally telling my dentist, hey, it's just this tooth on the bottom. Um, I don't need you to do anything else. Don't go looking around. Okay. All right. Don't tell me, well, wow, your wisdom teeth. We should probably get you and do all that. When you think about that, how crazy is that sentence? Like, hey, I I just got this one that I'm willing to give you access to. I might die of gum disease, but don't tell me, okay? I don't want to know any of that stuff. And oftentimes, that's how we negotiate with God to come into our life. Hey, God, it's the marriage. I'm I'm just struggling in the marriage right now. I I got this other stuff. I don't, don't go looking around or anything like that, right? And the reality is, is that God wants to purify his people. So when we get hit with devastation, we have a choice. It can define us or it can refine us. And that starts with repentance. And then the next step leads to restoration and innovation. God says this. He says, because you've repented, I want now that your vats to be filled with wine and oil. And I am going to restore to you everything that the locusts have eaten. Hey, did you know this? That we as Christians believe that when we suffer, our suffering is actually doing something. And that God can use cancer. And God can use that betrayal in that relationship. And God can use the bad thing that's happening in your life. God can actually use it for good. That God is in the restoration business. That that's God's heart is to take broken pieces and make masterpieces. But why? Why does God restore things? Is it so my life can now get back into order and I don't have to suffer and I don't have to go through that dry spell in my marriage again and so things can get easy again? Is that why God does it? No, no, no. God does it because the next step is this, which is multiplication. It's empowerment. The verses that were read to you, did you notice? He says, I will pour out my spirit on you. Woohoo! That's great. That's awesome. The Holy Spirit's going to come. That's great. What's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? It's not to just get poured out on us, but to get poured out on all people. Listen, what if, what if your dream And the purpose of your dream is to inspire dreams in others. What if your story and the purpose of the addiction and the divorce, whatever it is, fill in the blank. What if the reason you went through that is not so you could just get through it, but actually so your story can inspire other people's stories 
Maybe the reason you were praying for your spouse and dealing with your spouse is because then you can now walk along somebody else who's dealing with the same thing. Listen, God's vision for your life does not end with your life. God always does something in us so then he can do something through us. That's how God works. And so what's the difference? What's the key in all of this? The key is the window of possibility. The day, right now. Today is the day of salvation. Not when I get things in order. Not what Joel did when he saw the devastation is that he called a fast. Now. We need to do it now. And listen, you'll always be busy. That, that is the response, man. How are you going? Busy. How you doing? Busy. How you doing? Busy. You're real busy at the river. But no, that's a different sermon. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a different sermon. I'm sorry, right? Just be, listen, always going to be busy. There's always going to be stuff. There's always going to be the thing. But what does it look like for you to click okay and to grant God access to your calendar, to your finances, and to now? Listen, here's really the primary message of Joel as the band comes and leads us in a time of response. And it's this. Joel teaches us that our current devastation does not have to be our final destination. Oh, Westside, please listen to me. Whatever you're going through now doesn't have to define you. It doesn't have to define you. But listen, God wants to partner with you. God wants to come alongside you. God is not a genie. You do not rub him twice and then he does it for you. God uses your good works. He uses your repentance and he uses your efforts. So no matter what you're facing, no matter what your friends or family are facing, this might need to be a sentence that you might need to text to a family member or a friend and just say, hey, today I thought about you that your devastation doesn't have to be your final destination. But it all hinges on the window of possibility today to lead us into that day. So the ball's in your court. What does it look like to click OK and to grant access, total access to your life and to just bow before the Lord and say, God, this life is not my own, but it's a gift given by you. Bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, God, we come before you grateful for all that you are doing, not in and through Westside, but also through the Grace family of churches. That we get to be a part of that, that student, that businessman. Olu, going through the fellowship and being a preacher and playing. God, we're a part of these things. But corporate revival always starts with individual repentance. So God, I just pray today that as we start these minor prophets, God, we need their message to return to you, to remember your covenant with Jesus Christ, to repent of sin. These men prophesied, these men and women prophesied thousands of years ago, but their message is applicable to us today. God, I pray that you would start something fresh in us. And I pray right now through the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit that was given on this day at Pentecost that people in this room 
who are going through a current devastation right now through the power of the Spirit would say in their heart, this will not define me. It's defined me for too long. I am not a victim. God has made a way. And the grave is empty and the throne is occupied. God is still doing miracles. God is still saving people. And God can use the bad in my life to turn out for good. I pray that that declaration would be said today. And it would not be an empty one. But it would be made through the power of your spirit. Holy Spirit, have your way with us. We pray this all in the holy and the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.